everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman. And while we're getting into the start of the show, let's just start off with this so I just can get this out of the way right now. Go follow The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that. Uh, Twitter account, at the underscore LB underscore show. Uh, that's the show's Twitter account. My personal Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account, just search The Logan Blackman Show. Should pop up. Got that name taken. The Logan Blackman Show. The Logan Blackman Show. Blackman Logan is my Instagram account, my personal one. Go like The Logan Blackman Show on you on Facebook. And also, go subscribe to The Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel because we're going to start posting more on there. we got a couple of video ideas coming out, and I know I keep saying that, but we've actually got things planned out. Actually got things planned out. Not like before where I was just saying that. That's just a little thing where I just go, yeah, it's coming, just to get, keep you on the edge of your seat. But, uh, yeah, we actually got stuff coming. I've got some scripts written out. i got some things that I want to do in regards to promotion for the Logan Blackman show. And we got stuff for that. We got posters. We got business cards. And my favorite thing that we've got is now a clothing website. Yes, we are with Teespring. You can go on there, buy all your Logan Blackman show apparel. I'm not sending the link to anybody yet. Because it's, it's got a name that I came up with. It's a very clever name. But I'm not going to say what the name is yet. Because... I've got samples coming in the mail, and I want to see how those things work out before I actually start posting anywhere. Because if it's not good, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. And it doesn't come any, nothing comes out of my pocket, money-wise, because Teespring, you can upload your ideas, upload your shirts for free, and then once those shirts are sold, I will get a portion of the sold item. So, like, say, if a shirt is... $26 or something. I should get around $11 to $12 out of that. But if we did the thing that I was trying to work on before, I would have to buy the shirts. I would have to figure out all that stuff. So eventually, with me buying all this stuff, I would not be able to sell them for a reasonable price with the way my dad and I were looking at things. Now, there's obviously other ways you can do this kind of stuff. But I thought this was the best way because a lot of YouTubers that I follow, not a lot of them, But a few YouTubers that I've been following have Teespring links down below. An Instagram page, Buffalo Fanatics, uh, they have Teespring stuff as well. I've gotten a couple shirts off of Teespring through Buffalo Fanatics. So I thought this would just be a great way to actually get awareness of the Logan Blackman show. And now that we got merchandise, you can buy that. It'll help me out so I can afford to buy other cool things for the show. And it'll help promote the show because people will be like, oh man, that's a sick sweatshirt. Or that's a sick shirt. Where did you get that? Oh, I got it from the Logan Blackman show. It's a sick shirt, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I Where can I get one? Here's the link. Logan hasn't told anybody about it yet, but I know it. So here's the link. I'm not giving out the name. I got a storefront set up on Teespring. So be prepared for that whenever I decide to officially announce that we're selling this stuff. I got shirts. I got sweatshirts. I got face masks for when you college students go back to school and you're required to wear face masks. You can wear one of those. I got fanny packs on there. I got stickers. I got a poster. Uh, what else do we got on there? Socks. Logan Blackman shows socks. 
I wanted to make a hat, but the hat thing's not really working out with that. But yeah, once that stuff officially drops, once I get the samples in the mail, I will start posting those and then I'm going, wow, yeah, you should really buy this. If not, I'm not going to tell anybody to buy it or I'm going to choose other uh, material to make the shirts from. Because that's the beauty about Teespring. I can make shirts from different materials. It's not all the same style of shirt, which is beautiful. So if this shirt doesn't work, because the main thing I want to focus on, making sure they don't shrink like crazy in the wash. That's the number one thing I'm worried about. Comfort comfortability, comfort. Yeah, that's better. Just comfort of the shirt and their shrinkiness in the washer and the dryer, mostly a dryer. But yeah, stay tuned for that because that stuff will be coming very, very soon. I am very, very excited. I've been working hard designing shirts and I've got different logos. I've got different names on the shirt. So it's not just the Logan Blackman show. It's got some slogans that we've had, some favorite sayings that I've posted on the show. We got shirts that are red sweatshirts with red text on it, black with black, white with white, blue with blue, green with green. We got all, it's, it's going to be mad. It's a mad ting, mad ting. It's going to be sweet. And I cannot wait to actually officially drop that stuff. And also other news for the Logan Blackman show. What was I going to say? I had other things that I wanted to say and I completely forgot about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about this. Uh, we're shortening the show down to an hour. We're doing five shows a week now instead of three. And instead of doing two hours three times a week, we're doing one five shows or one hour shows five times a week. If that makes sense. So that way, you don't need to dedicate so much time listening to the Logan Blackman show. They might be a little bit over an hour, but the majority of it will not be two hours long. We're not going to make two hour long podcasts anymore because I want people to actually listen to the show. And I know me. I know a lot of people that are my age and even people that are younger than me and older. I just know, I know, I know a lot of people and it's hard to dedicate two hours to one podcast to one person talking for two hours it's hard because the bad the good and bad part about my show is the fact that it's my show no one else is doing anything with the show i record the show on audio and video which we'll be posting that on youtube stay tuned for that as well but the bad part is that there's not that many differing opinions on the show. It's just me. I'm not getting phone calls in. I have not had a single guest on the Logan Blackman show since my freshman year of college where I had William Penn head coach Hafner on the show, which was required for my class. If I didn't have that requirement for my class, I probably just wouldn't even have had <laughs> a guest on the show to begin with. But you had to do an interview on the show. So I haven't had a guest since then. So there's not a lot of differing opinions, but... It's my honest, true opinions every single time. I'm editing this down. I'm working super hard to get this stuff out. And yeah, but it is hard to listen to one person talk for two hours. I understand that because knowing myself, I wouldn't really want to listen to one person talk for two straight hours with no breaks, no nothing. And I don't have a lot of time, a lot of two hour increments throughout the day where I'm just doing nothing for two hours. And I go, oh, I could just throw on a podcast. I don't really have a lot of those times. <laughs> I'm either a recording my own podcast or B working 
for my dad. So I'm not really tuning into podcasts that often. When I'm working for my dad, I usually just throw on music. I don't usually throw on a two-hour podcast because the things I'm doing are not usually two hours long. There are little increments of certain things throughout the day. Like we'll go to Target, Landscape, and then we'll drive to the Target out by Valley West Mall and Property Manage. So yeah, hour-long shows now. Hopefully this increases our listenership because again, two hours is a long time. It's a long time to dedicate to something. An hour is long. Yes, I'm aware of that, but it's not as long. So one hour shows five times a week. So you can get Logan Blackman show information every day of the week. And this also takes out the stress on me because I don't have to sit down and write two hours worth of stuff I want to talk about in a day. I don't need to do that anymore. So I don't need to take as long writing scripts. I don't write down exactly what I want to say. I write down bullet points and then ad lib off that, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm looking at my audio recorder right now. But that takes a lot of stress off of this. So now I only have to worry about writing an hour-long show, which is perfect. So, yeah, hopefully you listen to the show. If you got this far in the show, welcome, because <laughs> it's a long intro. But we needed a long intro for today because I had a lot of stuff to talk about, whether it was videos, uh, social media stuff, promotion stuff for the Logan Blackman show, and show time changes. So everything's been going good. Sorry we did not have a show on Friday. Had a funeral to attend with my great uncle. So we were, we didn't have a show on Friday. But we are back and we're ready for another great day uh, here on the Logan Blackman Show on this July 13th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And last night, Sporting Kansas City played Minnesota United in the MLS's back tournament. In one of the most frustrating games I have watched in a very, very long time, Sporting Kansas City lose 2-1 to one to Minnesota United. I could take losses. There's one team in the Premier League history that has gone on a season undefeated. In the Premier League. There's been one team in the NFL that has gone undefeated. Going undefeated does not happen that often. So when I when we, your team loses a game, yeah, it sucks, but it's like it was inevitable. We're not going to go undefeated. We don't have the best team in the league. We're not going to go undefeated. But when the team you're playing is a, a rival and B has two of their two of their most important players of their spine of their team, Ozzy Alonso and former Kansas City defend, defender Ike Opara, not on the team, not playing, I expect a little bit better performance. You could tell that they've been out for a while. And this also, my dad brought this up last time we were watching it. This, I mean, this is not, this isn't that hard to believe, but the Premier League is so much better <laughs> quality wise. Because when the players came back from the Premier League, it wasn't like we're scuffing all of these chances. Like there were so many chances Sporting Kansas City had where they just messed it up. Uh, Gotti Kinda, Kinda tried to chip the goaltender from not even needing the chip it was a two on one. The goalkeeper tried to chip him from halfway between the goal and the halfway line or the 18 yard box and the halfway line. Gerson Fernandez made a great diagonal run, tried to cross it to Alan Polito. I think it was Alan Polito and just completely messed up the cross. 
There's so many shots and chances that Sporting Kansas City had, and they just messed it up. Kyrie Shelton, great goal for Sporting Kansas City. On the same net, scores his second goal of the game, but this one for Minnesota United. Tyler Miller, if you were trying to make a case for moving on to the U.S. men's national team, you did not have it tonight, or last night. Yeah, you you won the game, but that one mistake <laughs> where you're trying to force Kiri Shelton to make a decision backfired amazingly. Greg Beerhalter, United States men's national team head coach, is in is at that end of the stadium. So he saw it up close and personal. So yeah, it was a, a terrible game. Sporting Kansas City absolutely dominated the game. It was so frustrating to watch. My good friend Noah was over last night. He's a Minnesota United fan. And he had this ugly Minnesota United pinstripe jersey. Or not pinstripe, but striped jersey. Ugly. I had my beautiful black Sporty Kansas City jersey from a few years ago. Sporty Kansas City just choked the game away. Tim Melia, one of the best goaltenders in the MLS, got a red card, taking out a Minnesota United defender. Last man, a clear goal-scoring opportunity. For Minnesota United, got a red card. And it was just all downhill from there. Down, or tied one-to-one. You would think that you would keep your star striker in Alan Polito. But you take him out, and then no one's scoring goals for, for Sporting Kansas City. Once the goaltender got subbed on, you should start making more and more substitutions. Sporting Kansas City just got tired at the end of the game. It was miserable. And they get two goals from Minnesota United, the 92nd and the 97th minute, to close out the game. Which has been the recipe for success and failure of this quote-unquote rivalry throughout its existence. The friendly, the friendliest rivalry in sports, Minnesota United versus Sporting Kansas City. It's been a, it's, that's how it's been throughout a lot of these meetings. The last one, Hurtado scored a goal in the 88th minute in Kansas City. The next one, Minnesota United scored a late goal, and that one went 2-1. to one. And then last night, 2-1 to one final, 92nd minute goal, and a 97th minute goal to win the game. Sporting had so many chances in this game and just fluffed it up. I would say something else, but I don't want to on the show. Terrible. But, whatever, we move. Sporting Kansas City will be back, will be better, hopefully, in their next matchup. But let's go over some of the scores in MLS's back tournament. Orlando City SC beat Inter Miami 2-1 goals from Muller and Nani in the 97th minute of the game. Uh, Juan Agadello got a goal for Inter Miami in this game, getting them up first in the 47th minute, and nothing else from there. Philadelphia Union with Alejandro Bedoya getting a goal in the 63rd minute, beat NYCFC, still have not scored a goal this season in the MLS, NYCFC. Uh, moving on to Group B, Seattle Sanders and San Jose Earthquakes drew nil-nil. Group C, Montreal Impact lost New England Revolution 1-0. Toronto FC tied DC United 2-2. Akinola scored two goals for Toronto FC. Higuain and Brilliant scored two goals in the 84th and 91st minute of the game to get the draw in this game. New England Revolution sit on top of the group with three points. Uh, group D, Real Salt Lake beat Colorado Rapids 2-0 last night with Rusnik. And Kralak getting a goal in the game. And then obviously Sporting Kansas City losing to Minnesota United 2-1. Kiri Shelton getting the first goal. Two late goals for Minnesota United. Steal the victory for the Loons. 
Group in this one, Real Salt Lake City on top of the plus two goal differential, Minnesota United in second. Group E, Atlanta United lose to New York Red Bulls 1-0, and Columbus Crew unsurprisingly smash FC Cincinnati, the worst team in the MLS, 4-0. FC Cincinnati looked absolutely atrocious in that game. Absolutely terrible. And we got games going on today in Group F with LAFC taking on the Houston Dynamo and the LA Galaxy taking on the Portland Timbers. A very nice group. The group of death, in my opinion, is Group F with LAFC, LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, and the Portland Timbers. Three very historic franchises in the MLS, and then a new dog that is trying to win their first MLS Cup. With It's going to be hard with Carlos Vea sitting out of the tournament, but they move. So those games are going to be fun. Columbus Crew looking very, very good to start the tournament. Three points plus four goal differential, which this is going to happen. It's like the Confederations Cup in 2013 with oh, Tahiti in it. They were just getting absolutely genetically jackhammered the entire tournament. It was terrible for Tahiti. But it was if you wanted to watch some high-scoring games, you watch Spain versus Tahiti. <laughs> That's what FC Cincinnati basically is in it. This one, three very attacking teams playing a team that doesn't know what they're doing. Yapstam, Manchester United legend, has got some major, major, major work to do. And while we're on the top of Manchester United legends, Man U controlled their own destiny, essentially, with Chelsea and Leicester City both losing by three this weekend. Manchester United sit only two points out of third place in the league and play Southampton later today Southampton in the league sit 12th um they have they drew their last game won their last two before that Manchester United are the hottest team in the Premier League they're unbeaten since Bruno Fernandes arrival they're just the they're the hottest team in the Premier League and with Leicester completely falling apart against Bournemouth relegation bound Bournemouth who had lost four of their last five games prior to this game <laughs> beat them four to one and Sheffield United pound Chelsea 3-0. Beautiful performances, I must say. But Manchester United fully expect them to get a win today. Knock on wood, obviously. But they control their own fate. Norwich, first team relegated. Their fifth relegation Premier League record. Going to see a lot of good players. from, or Not a lot of good players, but a lot of players leave Norwich in the summer. Most notably, Max Ahrens, Buendia, and Todd Cantwell. Those three players gone guaranteed they're none of those guys are staying we made predictions about where they're going i think last week i can't well go to leicester aaron's going to everton and buendia uh where would buendia go i don't know where buendia wolves i can see him going to wolves or arsenal i could see that or or newcastle i could definitely see newcastle as well he's the only creative he's the most creative player on norwich by far fifth relegation for norwich city sad stuff there we went on to other leagues in the world. Serie A, this one's done. It's done out here. Lazio just cannot get out of their own way. They've lost their last three games. And now, it's done. They're eight points clear at the top of the league. Juventus have the lead, the win. They had the league title this year. Lost their last three games. Lazio, it's over. Not much to say on that. Juventus drew with Atalanta yesterday. But, uh, yeah, that's it's over. It's over. Uh, Juventus win, I think, their ninth or 10th consecutive Serie A title. 
not really surprised. I just thought Lazio would put up at least a tiny fight in this. When the restart started, when they restarted in Syria, Lazio was a point behind Juventus. Now they're eight points behind Juventus. They had a better goal differential. They had, they were, I think the only thing that was separating them was one more draw or something like that. And now it's over. It's over. Lazio have not turned it on since this has started. This restarts come back. Now in La Liga, Real Madrid, one point clear Barcelona, but they they have a game in hand. 35 games played for Real Madrid, 36 played for Barcelona. And yeah, this is, I, I'm thinking this is over. Real Madrid's playing Granada today. Granada right now sit 10th in La Liga. Won two of the last three games. Good form for them. But Real Madrid have not lost since the restarts come back. I don't see them losing this one. And Barcelona play Osasuna Thursday with Real Madrid also playing Villarreal as well. So if they want the Real Madrid to slip up, that's the game. I know Villarreal right now, where are they at in the league? They're fifth. I know it's not like, oh my God, this could scare. I think it will scare Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid will be very pressed by Villarreal. Do I think they'll lose? No, but I think it will be a close game. They might get a draw. If Worst case scenario for Real, for Barcelona, Real Madrid win. Barcelona need at least a draw. A loss is perfect. Draw will do. And Barcelona cannot lose any games for the rest of the season. They can't. They can't afford to. And then Sunday, Real Madrid play Leganes and Barcelona play Deportivo Alaves. Leganes sit 18th in the league. So again, Real Madrid got this thing locked up. It's it's over. Barcelona dropped too many points at the start of the restart. It's over. It's done. It's over and done with. Barcelona, sorry. And Real Madrid's one of their weaker teams in the past few seasons. Eden Hazard has not played good at all this season. I think he has one league goal to his name this year. This was the year. Barcelona take it away. But, uh, no, Antoine Griezmann has been all right, but not great. Not the $120 million you paid for him. Good. Uh, Philippe Coutinho has been an absolute flop at Barcelona. He's now on loan at Real Madrid or at Bayern Munich. Expected to move on to the Premier League. Barca, they might have got Miralem Panic. They might have got Lerardo Martinez. But they got, man, this is their year. They're going to have to get it back next year because Real Madrid are going to strengthen up this year. They got a lot of good loan players out right now. Not Hakimi because he made that move to enter permanent. But, man, next year is going to be fun for La Liga. Barcelona is going to splash the cash after this Coutinho sale back to the Premier League. Get Lerardo Martinez in there. And, yeah, we'll see how they do next season. But, yeah, that's how we're looking right now in the leagues around the world in the MLS. Uh, League 1 had some scrimmages yesterday. Uh, PSG, I think, won 5-0 yesterday. 5-0 or 7-0, something like that. Neymar looked really good in the scrimmage, but they're trying to get ready for Champions League action. PSG have a very easy route to the final comparative to the bottom half of the tournament. They'll probably figure out a way to choke it away, though. But my pick is still Bayern Munich in that, who have strengthened their squad again with Leroy Sané joining the Bavarians next season. He will wear the iconic number 10 jersey for Bayern Munich. That was recently worn by Coutinho. And I, or did Ham, no, Hamas wore number 11. But Iron Robin wore the number 10 jersey for years. Bayern legend. See if Leroy Sané can hold that jersey to the same regard as I and Robin. Moving on to actually talking points now. So those are your scores from around the world of soccer. Let's get into some actual talking points. Today, it was announced that the Washington Redskins 
have dropped the name Redskins. It is official. It's officially official today. The Redskins are no more. The Washington Redskins are done and dusted. Here's an official statement from the Washington Redskins today. Statement from the Washington Redskins football team. On July 3rd, we announced the commencement of a thorough review of the team's name. The review has begun in earnest. As part of this process, we want to keep our sponsors, fans, and communities apprised of our thinking as we go forward. They're, the mo- they're trying to keep the sponsors because <laughs> if they don't keep the sponsors, they ain't going to have a statement to play. DC has announced that they won't let the Redskins play if the Redskins didn't drop their name. And FedEx Field, their main sponsor, won't let them play in the stadium. So they have nowhere to play. Redskins would have nowhere to play. They'd have to hope that the Naval Academy would let them play at their stadium because they couldn't play in D.C. at RFK or Audi Field or Nationals Park. And they can't play at FedEx Field over Landover. So they need to find a home and quick for the next season. So they were really just trying to keep their sponsors in the loop and appease their sponsors. Uh, today we are announcing that we will be retiring the Redskins name and logo upon completion of this review. Dan Snyder and Coach Rivera are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud tradition, rich franchise. Our, our proud tradition, rich franchise. That's a, it's really weirdly worded. Uh, and inspire our sponsors, fans, and communities for the next 100 years. Mostly sponsors. Notice how sponsors are before the fans and community. <laughs> Typical Dan Snyder statement right there. But there's been a, there's been a few names that have gotten thrown around throughout all of this. Now, the Redskins, one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. Three Super Bowls, five NFL championships. Joe Gibbs, one of the greatest coaches of all time, winning three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Joe Theismann. Doug Williams and Rippin, Mark Rippin. It's Mark Rippin. I think I said Brett Rippin the other day. Rippin, Brett is the former quarterback of Boise State. Mark Rippin is the former quarterback of the Washington Redskins, beating the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Redskins are a historic franchise. One of the biggest, one of the most well-known franchises in the world. Also one of the most made fun of franchises in the world of sports as well. The Washington Redskins. Not only because of their name, but because they put out some atrocities on and off the field in free agent signings and how they played. <laughs> the Dan Snyder era has been laced in terrible, terrible football. But you know what? We move. And there's been other names that have been thrown around with the Washington Redskins. The Washington Red Tails is my personal favorite. Nice little military background with that one. Because Ron Rivera said that he wanted to do something that would bring be put a positive light on our nation's military. I think that would be a very good one. Uh, the Washington Red Wolves has been one that's been thrown around a lot recently, mostly on Twitter. A lot of people are really liking the Washington Red Wolves. I think it was Will Compton came out and said that he'd come out of retirement to retire a Red Wolf. And the slogan's pretty cool too. Lions uh, don't consider don't concern themselves with opinions of sheep. But it's Lions, but I think they put Wolves in it instead. But it's the Lions, that's that's the quote. But Red Wolves isn't bad. That'd be a completely, all, most of these would be completely rebrands of the Washington Redskins name. And you have to rebrand everything. You keep the lo- the colors and uniforms, but the name would have to change. Well, it's going to be a rebrand no matter what. Uh, but people were obviously talking about, oh, it's the biggest rebrand if you do the Red Wolves. But it is. It, it, all of these are going to be rebrands. 
The Washington Red Hawks has been one that's been brought up. The Washington Warriors has been one that's been building um, or been gaining steam recently. The Warriors is an interesting one. A lot of people, it's kind of dividing opinions around the world of changing names for the Washington Redskins. Red, the Warriors are a basketball team, but also the basketball team, the Golden State Warriors, were once known the Philadelphia Warriors, which we saw Wilt Chamberlain play for them for those for that little bit. Their old logo is a Native American. Now, if we want to completely scratch the Native American thing from the logo and the team name, don't do that. But if you think that will bring a better light and put Native Americans on a better standing and a better look for the franchise and a better look for... Because the Redskins is a very... It's not a great name. It's not great. Uh, it's basically like having a team like you're calling the your team name is the color of someone else's skin that's not great <laughs> now there's a nice little backstory behind the logo and behind all of that stuff but the name is not great that's your team name is the color of someone else's skins but the warriors if you feel like that would be a better representation of what you're trying to do then yeah warriors would be a really good one but if not if you want to get away from all of that then obviously don't uh the washington sentinels the replacements one of the greatest movies of all time uh the washington pigskins were one that were brought up chain get the red out of there put pigskins because their nickname was the hogs in the 90s with one of the biggest offensive lines of all time their fans are the hogs they do noises all the time and you can just do the washington hogs if you want to do it like that and then my favorite the washington foreskins but which one will they choose if i'm placing a bet I could see the Warriors definitely being one because they've had this name that the name has a negative connotation to Native Americans in their history. Like the Redskins, that's not great. That's that's not great. The Warriors is is a it's good. It's a good name. But would they do that? I think the Red Tails is one that I think they could definitely do. Red Wolves. There was something on Instagram that I saw that was, you could see fans just howling uh, during the game. Like, they do the, now, you do the, like on third downs or something, the whole stadium's howling. That'd be pretty cool. But I think the three favorites for me are the, the Red Tails, Red Wolves, and the Warriors. Those are the three that I think are the front runners for the Washington Redskins new name change. That's what my prediction is right now. Red tails, wolves, or warriors. Uh, the pigskins is not happening. Sentinels could happen, but then you just have a lot of Shane Falco memes thrown about the internet. Uh, red Hawks. Uh, I don't really like that one that much, but I like red tails. I like the red wolves and the warriors. I could get behind as well. So those are my three that I think are going to be the names for the Redskins. I think I posted something on, well, I didn't think, I don't think, I know I posted something on Twitter. Red Hawks, Red Tails, Red Wolves, something else. I, I'm i going to delete that because I'm going to post a new poll with putting in the Warriors in there because I think that's more likely than the Red Hawks. That's just my opinion on the matter. But Red Wolves have been gaining steam like freaking crazy. But I like the Red Tails the most. But 
Yeah, Warriors, Red Tails, Red Wolves. Which one do you like the most? I think you could do a decent little merchandising from that. That's a cool name. Those are cool names. I have no problem with those names. Pretty decent. Decent. Decent stuff right there. It's going to be weird, though. It's going to be weird. Like, the Las Vegas Raiders is going to be was weird. The Los Angeles Chargers was weird. The Tennessee Oilers was weird, and that's why they changed the Titans. Like, name changes happen all the time. So this isn't that weird, but it's going to be weird because of the fact they've been the Redskins for the better part of the last 90 years, 80 years. So it's, it's going to be weird. But again, name changes happen all the time. So I don't think I'm, I'm not too concerned about watch Redskins name change. I'd just rather have the fact that the Redskins are a laughing stock in the NFL right now, not just because of this, but because of everything else that Dan Snyder has done throughout his reign of terror with the Washington Redskins. I know we've been talking about Cam Newton a lot at nauseum here on the Logan Blackman show. It's been a lot of Cam Newton recently. Um, you have the whole moving to the New England Patriots and all of that. So I wanted to do this on Friday, but never actually got around to doing it because of course we didn't have a show on Friday, but I thought this would be a very good idea. I saw this video on Thursday night, had the, it was Wednesday, it was Wednesday or Thursday night. It was NFL films post this on YouTube. And we talked about this when Cam first signed with the Patriots officially, because now it's official. Cam Newton's officially a New England Patriots. He's wearing number one again. Cam Newton signing with the Patriots, the first team to gain and lose a former MVP in the same offseason. Now, there's 13 MVPs, former MVPs, to switch NFL teams. We're going to go through the 13 and then rank them how their appearances were on their new team. So this isn't like their legacy throughout their history of the NFL. Because that'd be different. That'd be too easy. But this list is ranking these guys on their time with their new team. So here are the MVPs that were on the list. Cam Newton, Tom Brady, obviously the most recent ones here. Peyton Manning, he's the only QB. Now this one's interesting. The only QB to win MVPs with two different teams. One with Colts, one with the Broncos. I'm not saying one, like one, one, like W-O-N. One. <laughs> that Brett Favre, Steve McNair, Kurt Warner, Boomer Esiason, Joe Montana, Burt Jones, Ken Stabler, Roman Gabriel, Johnny Unitas, and Earl Morrill. So obviously, if you're ranking these on their entire legacy in the NFL, you would have the likes of Brady, Montana at 1 2, and then like Favre, Warner. Like you'd have all these. Ken Stabler would be up. Johnny, I didn't even read. I forgot about Johnny. Johnny Unitas would be above Warner and <laughs> uh, Stabler. But. You'd rank them like that. That's an easy list. We don't want to do easy lists here on the Logan Blackman Show. We do hard lists. Which lists make you think. Make you think longer about your decisions you're making. Now, we got the stats for the older guys. If you don't know who they are, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know who Burt Jones, Roman Gabriel, or even Earl Morrill are. I don't know who those guys are. Because there's a few people out there that are recency like they know the nfl recency they don't know about the old players the old teams like the 72 dolphins like super bowl three with the jets beating the the baltimore colts almost an indianapolis colts they don't know about the mayflower vans leaving baltimore in the dead of night to go to the indianapolis 
They don't know about the Ravens starting up, uh, taking the B Cleveland Browns from Cleveland, the riots that Cleveland had, how great of a coaching staff Cleveland had, what their legacy was. You had Kurt Warner, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Jim Schwartz. Like, you had all these. Uh, Jim Schwartz, head coach-wise, no. D coordinator, very good D coordinator. Or good D coordinator, not very good D coordinator. But yeah, there's some old guys on here. So Burt Jones, Roman Gabriel. Names a lot of people might not really know about. So we're going to go through this entire list, rank the 13. Now at the bottom of the list, obviously this is how we do most lists, uh, Cam Newton and Tom Brady. Uh, they haven't played a snap on their new team. And since this is a ranking of players on their new teams, we can't really go through these guys and put it because they haven't played a snap for their new teams yet. Tom Brady... Moving from the New England Patriots to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Has always said he wants to play till he's 45. Do we think he's going to be till 45? I don't know. If last year is anything to show by it, that's one of the worst years I've seen Tom Brady have in a while. Where if you did a blind comparison, you would probably pick Ryan Tannehill or Derek Carr over Tom Brady. How many other times in his NFL career, the greatest quarterback, would you pick an average quarterback over the greatest quarterback of all time? It's not, it's not often you do that. Losing the Titans in the playoffs. Last throws of Patriot was a pick six. Just not great. It's a great legacy. One of the greatest, not one of the greatest, the greatest dynasty of all time. The greatest quarterback of all time. But now we have to see what he's like without Belichick. He's got some great weapons down in Tampa. Great weapons down in Tampa. But we will have to wait and see on how TB12 does in his new getup. And same with the guy who replaced him, Cam Newton, leaving the NFC South, going up north to New England. See how he does in his new team. Because the Panthers built their franchise around Cam Newton. They didn't make him throw the ball a thousand times a game. They gave him ways to where he could succeed. Run the ball, check down, do all that kind of stuff. Make up for his lack of accuracy and give him a running back like Christian McCaffrey. I know that was later in his career, but it worked wonders. The highest completion percentage of Cam Newton's career was with Christian McCaffrey. The only time he's completed 66% of his passes. And I think it's the only time he completed above 60% of his passes, but I could be wrong about that because I think his rookie year might have had 60.1%, if I remember correctly. But that first year with Christian McCaffrey was awesome. First or second year with Christian McCaffrey. But we'll see how he does in New England. Now... Like Carolina, the Patriots have some very good and very capable pass-catching running backs. James White, Rex Burkhead. They have, uh, wow, I'm Sony Michelle. I was, I'm completely blanking right now. <laughs> but you have very capable pass-catching running backs. You have a wide receiver in Julian Edelman that can work the underneath routes to make it easier so he doesn't need to force the ball down the field, which Cam Newton does not have a problem throwing the ball down the field. Compared to Tom Brady, Cam Newton has a way better arm strength-wise than Tom Brady. It's not even really close. Tom Brady does not have the strongest arm of all time, but he does the job. It does the job. And he's won multiple Super Bowls, multiple MVPs, and the most hated franchise of the 21st century by far. The that's the same era where the Dallas Cowboys exist. Like, that, that's how bad the Patriots were. The Patriots have surpassed the Cowboys. Actually, had the Patriots, are the Cowboys still the most hated franchise in the NFL or is it the Patriots? I mean, it's one of those two. One of those two. 
But Cam Newton taking over for Brady. Now, I know a lot of people out there going, oh, Cam Newton's guaranteed to start. If he was guaranteed, the Patriots, I don't know if they would have signed with just a one-year minimum contract. Cam Newton has a very bad injury history. Not saying he's injury-prone. He just gets beat up. And when you get beat up, you're liable to get injured more often than a guy that doesn't get beat up a lot. Cam Newton, we brought this up last week, and Cam Newton does not get treated like a quarterback when he's outside the pocket. If people were hitting Tom Brady the way people are hitting Cam Newton, there'd be fines, there'd be suspensions. Hey, they might even be kicked out of the league. But Cam Newton being as big and physical as he is, a lot of refs see that as he's dishing out punishment so he can take the punishment back. Cam Newton wears the most pads I've ever seen in anybody in NFL history. Never seen. He's like Dwayne Wade just wearing things that can hold his body together. We'll see how he does in New England. Very different quarterback to another Auburn quarterback that the Patriots have in Jarrett Stidham. Very different. Very different skill set than Jarrett Stidham. But... Jarrett has been around the, the franchise, albeit only a year, but the Patriots really like him. Jarrett Stidham has talent. He had talent. He had he showed his talent at Baylor, then took it to Auburn. Not necessarily his last year, but his first year at Auburn, he played very, very well. So we'll see how that does. If Cam Newton stays healthy, this could be very good for New England and very bad for the rest of the NFL. And if he gets the starting job, same thing. But if he doesn't, then... People will just go with, oh, the Patriots are going to finish 6-10 and 10 with Jarrett Stidham. The thing that we need to be careful on with the New England Patriots is not undervaluing them. It's saying they're going to be worse than what they are. Because that's been the history, the 21st century history of the New England Patriots. Oh, they're done. Tom Brady's done. When they lost to the Chiefs, first game of the season when Kareem Hunt fumbled, his only fumble, in the, like, he never fumbled in college and his, one of his first carries, the NFL, he fumbles. It's like, man, Patriots are done. Tom Brady's done. And then they go on to win the Super Bowl that year. I think they won the Super Bowl this year. Either they either won it or went to it. Never underestimate the New England Patriots. I mean, my life has been built on that. My dad has ingrained that into me and even my sister throughout our lives that do not undervalue the Patriots. Do not say the Patriots are going to be worse than what they are. Because that's where they get you. A lot of people, including myself, and it's easy to do that. They don't have Tom Brady. They still have Bill Belichick, but they lost Tom Brady. They didn't have a great receiving core last year. They lost some key players on defense. Don't know how they're going to be. They're trying to. Tra- it looks like they're trying to trade Thune, the guard, see where he go if he does get traded or not. But there's been some rumors that can't. Bill Belichick's trying to get Trevor Lawrence. We don't need that. Swear to God, we don't need that. But yeah, Brady and Newton, bottom of the list. Uh, number 11 on this list, arguably out of the old quarterbacks on this list, the most legendary quarterback on this list, Johnny Unitas, or one of them, holds or held numerous NFL passing records. Former MVP, great one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If you look at that, the old history of the NFL, there's not a lot of better, lot of better quarterbacks than Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas, in his time in Baltimore, was a Super Bowl champ and a three-time Most Valuable Player. But when he left Baltimore, it was not great. And I'll give that to the fact that he was old. He got he was really old when he went to 
San Diego, which a lot of people kind of forget he went to San Diego and played for the Chargers. He played five games, one and three as a starter, threw seven interceptions and three touchdowns while completed 44% of his passes. Not great for Johnny Yu. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, three MVPs, great. This is just the fact that he's old. He started his NFL career in 1956. So, when, <laughs> in 1973, he's going to be a little bit run down. He's a little old. Especially back then when players were just getting their shit beaten out of them every single game. <laughs> so, Johnny Unitas, and this is not saying his entire career, because Johnny Unitas is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. This is not an indictment on his entire career. But in his time in San Diego, yeah, he ranks at the bottom of the quarterbacks that actually played on their new team. Number 10, Burt Jones. A lot of people don't know Burt Jones, but he also played for the Baltimore Colts. He was the quarterback that replaced Johnny Unitas in Baltimore. First season in Baltimore, 1973. Started five games for the Colts at 22 years old. Retired from the NFL at age 31. So a nine-year NFL career. He was a first-team All-Pro in 1976. Selected the Pro Bowl, MVP, 1976, 24 touchdowns, 9 picks, 3,100 yards, completed 60% of his passes, went 11-3 as a starter. Like, that is today NFL numbers. Those are good numbers in today. Now, they're not mind-boggling numbers. Those are good numbers. 3,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, 9 picks. For the 70s, those are fantastic numbers. See why he got voted first-team All-Pro and was voted to a Pro Bowl, which Pro Bowl votes is not very impressive but mvp pro bowl all that stuff but after that he had a decent year 1977 17 touchdowns 11 picks 2600 yards after that he played he started three games then he started four games and then he came back in 1980 started 15 games 23 touchdowns 21 picks and the next year 21 touchdowns 20 picks and then he went to the los angeles rams where he didn't do anything same record as Johnny Unitas in California. One and three as a starter. Two touchdowns, four interceptions. Nothing great. Now, if we're talking about history of the NFL, Johnny Unitas, again, greatest quarter, one of the greatest, not the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Burt Jones, not really mentioned in that same category. But Johnny was just a lot older. So he threw seven interceptions in those four starts. Not great. Completed 44% of his passes. Burt Jones, while in Los Angeles, completed 55% of his passes, threw less interceptions, and had more yards. With the same record, though, same record, but Burt Jones and his new team did a little better than Johnny Unitas. They didn't do anything on their new teams. Next one on this list, Kenny Stabler, the snake. Kenny Stabler, Oakland Raiders legend. Was just voted in the Hall of Fame a few years ago. Uh, one of the most underrated old players in the NFL one of the toughest guys in NFL history. The Snake, Kenny Stabler. With a, again, Oakland Raiders legend. Cannot picture, if you're making the Oakland Raiders or the Vegas Raiders or the Los Angeles Raiders, whichever Raiders team you're making, the quarterback that is the is the picture of the Oakland Raiders is Kenny Stabler. That dude was, he lived the Oakland Raiders lifestyle. And then after he was done in Oakland, Went to the Houston Oilers, and then went to the New Orleans Saints. He went to Alabama in college, so kind of going back home to New Orleans. His time in Houston and New Orleans was not 
great. His first year in Houston, 13 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Now, like I said with Burt Jones, with those 26 touchdowns, 10 picks, or 24 touchdowns, which one was it? It was 24 or 26? 24 and 9. That is great numbers for that time. This numbers, 13 and 28, is the stuff you see back in the 50s of the NFL or the early or the late 60s. Not in the 80s, you're starting to get more into a passing game a little bit. But in his latter parts of his career, through 20 interceptions, then 18, 10, 18, and 5. He threw less touchdowns than interceptions by a wide margin and just never really had success down south when he moved to Houston and then New Orleans. Great career in the NFL, Hall of Famer, but in his new towns and his new things, wasn't great. I put him above Unitas and Burt Jones just because of the fact he played more seasons. Those two played one season in their new franchise. Both started four games. One and three, both of them, or one and four. Which one was it? One and four, one and three. One and three. They only played one season there. Kenny at least played five seasons. So we'll give him the little edge on that mark, but not great success at those two spots at the latter parts of his NFL career. Next one on this list, Air McNair, Steve McNair, one of my favorite quarterbacks in NFL history. I love Steve McNair. Tennessee Titans legend would do anything for the Tennessee Titans. Got beat the crap, got the crap beat out of him every single time he stepped on the football field. Basically retired. He was done. He was done with the NFL. He got beat up so much. He was just done. He was mentally checked out of the NFL. I don't blame him. You get the crap beaten out of you every single week. It's hard to just keep going, yeah, I'm ready to go back in. He won a joint MVP with a guy we're going to mention a little bit later on this list. But he went to Baltimore after he was done in Tennessee, and it just looked odd. I mean, it doesn't look weird. Like, you look at Joe Montana in a Chiefs uniform. It just looks weird. Drew Brees in a Chargers uniform. It just looks odd. It doesn't look too odd with him in a Baltimore Ravens uniform, but he had one good season in Baltimore. Didn't really play his last season there. Started only six games his last year in Baltimore. But his first year, he played good. 16 touchdowns, 12 picks. Nothing spectacular, but the Ravens went 13-3 and that season. 2006, they went 13-3. and 3,000 yards, 63% completion percentage, 16 and 12. Very good Ravens quarterback numbers for that time. Because the Ravens defense was just, that was their team. They just needed a quarterback to not be bad, and they would win games. That's how they were built. Steve McNair had good success in Baltimore. I think I'm going to rank him a spot higher on this list. Yeah, I'm going to move up to number seven because of that. I... He only, he only had one real good season in Baltimore because he only played six the next year. But that first year, 13-3, and three, very decent numbers for the latter parts of Steve McNair's career. And for him getting beat up his entire time in Tennessee, I give him credit. But number eight, since we're moving McNair up to seven, number eight, Boomer Esiason. Uh, Boomer won an MVP with the Cincinnati Bengals, had great success, or not great success, but good success. With the Cincinnati Bengals. Won an MVP there. Cincinnati Bengals legend. The greatest quarterback in their history. Ah, never mind. Ken Anderson probably is. But Boomer Science is up there. The lefty. After he was done in Cincy. Went to the New York Jets. And then the Cardinals. Back to Cincinnati. Never had great success as a team in these places. Went 8-8 eight eight his first year there. And then 6-10. And then 3-13. So just gradually getting worse. 
in his time in Cincy. Got replaced by Neil O'Donnell. So that shows how great he was in New York. Or New Jersey. New Jersey. But his first year was pretty good. 3,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks. Similar to that of Aaron McNair in his first season in Baltimore. But post that, his numbers started to dip a little bit. And the touchdowns and interceptions kind of got closer together as the years went on. (laughs) His last season in New York, uh, 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. 56% completion percentage. And then Arizona... Nothing, and then he just kind of wanted to retire a bangle. So came back to Cincinnati in his last year in the NFL. Didn't do anything, went 7-9, and nine, but hey, retired with the team he started with. 13 touchdowns, 2 interceptions in 7 games as the Bengals starter to see out his career in Cincinnati. So would you rank, who would you rank higher? Boomer Siason or Steve McNair? Steve McNair's time in Baltimore or Boomer's time with the Jets, Cardinals, and the last stint with the Bengals? Which one would you rank higher? on this list they're close next one on here roman gabriel is my next one roman gabriel had some good success in his time post winning the mvp so he won the mvp in 1969 for the los angeles rams 24 touchdowns seven picks in the 1969 season didn't have a great completion percentage but again at that time passing numbers weren't like oh my god you have to have 4,000 yards in the league like you do kind of have to now, which is starting to diminish again. There was a time like post uh, Dan Marino, you'd see the likes of Favre, Manning, Rivers, Brady, Breeze, Stafford. You got all these quarterbacks just launching balls down the field, throwing massive numbers, pushing up massive numbers of yards. Now we're starting to go to, oh, it's not really hugely important anymore, but it's still a very important part to a person's game. Now, this dude, Roman Gabriel, In 1973, his first season with his new team, he went to the Philadelphia Eagles, launched 23 touchdowns and 12 interceptions with a 58% completion percentage, which which was a career high for him, career high in attempts, career high in completions, just under his career high in touchdowns with 23, started 14 games. Now, the Eagles did not have great success in his time there. In his five years in Philly, he went 12, 25, and 1. But he did have some decent stats for himself. He had a better completion percentage in Philadelphia. He had a better interception percentage in his time in Philadelphia. His touchdown percentage went down, but it was interceptions went down, so that was good. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, he had some decent success while playing in Philadelphia on a personal level. Not really as a team, but on a personal level, he did. And for the time he was playing, 201 touchdowns, 149 interceptions. That's pretty decent numbers. That's pretty decent. So would you rank? how would you rank these four? I, you could argue with Boomer, Steve McNair, Roba Gabriel. You could flip those guys around however you wanted, and I'd be fine with it. That would be the I, – I would put Roman Gabriel just a little bit above. If we're going team success – you would go with McNair with that 13-3 and record, but that was basically because of the Ravens' defense. But if you wanted to put him up there, I'd be fine. Next one on the list, the GOAT before Brady, Joe Montana, completely changed the culture in, 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 in KC. KC was not great at this time. The year before, Joe Montana, I mean, not fanta- nothing fantastic, went 10-6. and six. His first year there with Joe Montana, the year before, the Kansas City Chiefs lost 17-0 to the, the San Diego Chargers. In Joe Montana's first season 
with the Chiefs. They go all the way to the AFC Championship game and had a chance to beat the Buffalo Bills. We're going 11-5 in the AFC Championship game. And the next year, it went 7-5, Joe Montana's last year in the league. But for that one year, went to the AFC Championship game, 2,100 yards, when Joe Montana was supposed to be done. And then he goes on to win, go to the AFC Championship game, beats the 49ers, and actually gives Kansas City Chiefs fans hope for once, for the first time since the 60s with Hank Stram. Or the 70s, whatever. But Joe Montana didn't have great success, but the fact that he was supposed to be done, he played one game two seasons prior to that. And then he was he was done. Everyone was like, oh, Joe Montana's done. He's done. He can't play anymore. And the crazy part about Joe Montana during that time, when he got hurt, what is this? Yeah, he won the MVP in 1990 and then didn't play a single game during the 1991 season due to injury. Played one game in 92 and then went to the AFC Championship game his first game back. That's Joe Montana stuff right there. Stats-wise, not great, but going all the way to the AFC Championship game against the Bills at that time was very, very impressive. Number four on this list, uh, number four, right? Yeah, number four. Kurt Warner, after winning an MVP, winning a Super Bowl, going to a Super Bowl with the greatest show on turf in St. Louis, leaves, goes to New York, got basically replaced by Mark Bolger. Nothing happens in New York. Goes to Arizona, and then the most improbable Super Bowl team of all time, the Arizona Cardinals, go to their first Super Bowl appearance with Kurt Warner, who was supposed to be done. He was supposed to be done. And he brought them to a freaking Super Bowl. That's insane. In that year, 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 9-7 record, but God, a Super Bowl for the Cardinals. The Super Bowl they should have won, really. One of the greatest throws and catches between Big Ben and Santonio Holmes ever didn't happen. Then Kurt Warner will be a a two-time Super Bowl champion. But great stuff by Kurt Warner in that season. Going to a freaking Super Bowl with the Cardinals. Just, that is absolutely ridiculous. The Arizona Cardinals are one of the worst franchises in NFL history. If we're talking about longevity and not doing anything, moving from Chicago to St. Louis to Arizona, they sucked. They've been a terrible franchise. They have great players. Wilson, Tillman, Warner, Patrick Peterson. They have great players in their franchise. But, yeah, the first Super Bowl, Kurt Warner takes him there. Now a Hall of Famer. Love Kurt Warner. I'm also an Iowan, so that counts as something as well. Number three on this list, Earl Morrill. Now, Earl Morrill is an interesting cat. Very interesting player in the NFL. One of the old guys, old Donnies in the NFL. Was, I always felt like, if you watch clips of Earl Morrill, he always feels like he's the oldest guy on the field at all times. Even when he first started, he looked like the oldest guy on the field. So, Earl Morrill was NFL's most valuable player, 1968. His first season with the Baltimore Colts. He takes them to the freaking Super Bowl. Uh, they win that Super Bowl or they lose that Super Bowl? I cannot remember because that might have been the Super Bowl they lost to the Jets. Okay. Was that the Super Bowl they lost to the Jets? I think it was. I think it was. Or was it the one against the Giants? Which one was it? Ah, yeah. It was Super Bowl three against the Jets. But Earl Morrill, first season, 34, 
takes him to the Super Bowl, 26 touchdowns, 17 picks. And then he goes to Miami at 38 years old. And Earl Morrill is the starting quarterback for most of the season in the only undefeated season in NFL history. Controversially, maybe to some, maybe not to others, Bob Greasy got the start of the Super Bowl after being hurt the entire season pretty much. Earl Morrill got that team to the Super Bowl. Undefeated record. Undefeated. Road playoff game, which is ridiculous to think about. But undefeated. The only undefeated season in NFL history, Earl Morrill was the starting quarterback for that team. Which is really at 38 years old. Super Bowl champ, MVP, or not MVP, but went to a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champ, first team all pro in the season that he was a backup. He was the backup on this team to start the season. At 38, and the only undefeated season in NFL history, Earl Morrill takes him to a freaking Super Bowl at undefeated. Next one on this list, number two, Brett Favre. Uh, Favre statistically had his best stuff in Minnesota. For that one year in Minnesota, actually, no, remove Earl Morrill to number two because of the fact he's a part of the only undefeated team in NFL history. Favre, in his first season in Minnesota, put up the best numbers of his career. Had the best completion percentage-wise, had a great number of yards, great touchdown-interception ratio. The only time, other than his rookie season in Atlanta, where he played two games, that he had under 10 interceptions in a season. 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, great stuff from Brett Favre. 12-4, NFC Championship game. Got beat the crap, got the crap beaten out of him against the New Orleans Saints. But man, Brett Favre and that one, the first season in Minnesota were amazing. Should have really gone to a Super Bowl. I think whoever won that NFC Championship game would have won that Super Bowl. The Saints ended up winning it. I think the Vikings had just as good of a chance to winning that as well. Even though with Adrian Peterson's fumbling problems. But minus the time with the Jets in the last year with the Vikings, Favre was awesome. That's uh, one year. <laughs> I might move Moral, Earl Morrill up to number two. But Favre was, for that one year, was awesome for the Vikings. The number one, I mean, it couldn't be anybody else on this list. Peyton Manning, the only quarterback to win multiple MVPs, or win an MVP with two different franchises, with the Colts and the Broncos. Peyton Manning was supposed to be done. Much like Joe Montana, he had neck surgery. Colts were moving on from him. He was done. And if it weren't for this whole situation, John Elway would not be a general manager anymore. Because <laughs> John Elway, throughout his history as a general manager for the Denver Broncos, has done nothing in his time there. Peyton Manning, second season in Denver, throws 55 touchdowns with 5,400 yards passing with a 68% completion percentage. That's it. Both are NFL records. Let's just put it like that. He was supposed to be done. And he set two NFL records in a season where he won the MVP. And he got absolutely pounded in the Super Bowl, but great year. For Peyton Manning, won a Super Bowl, won an MVP in his time in Denver. Five MVPs, four in Indy, one in Denver, won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl. Peyton Manning has to be number one on this list. I mean, there's no one else you could put above him. He's the only dude in NFL history to win multiple, to win an MVP with two different franchises. That's ridiculous. That's actually ridiculous to think about. Peyton Manning's a goat. Peyton Manning is one of the goats. I, I had a. Uh, Indianapolis Colts Peyton Manning jersey it was awesome dude is awesome I love Peyton Manning one of the I love Peyton Manning but 
yeah, greatest of all time when it comes to playing on a different franchise. Now, we'll see how the GOAT does in his new kit, new, his new uniform with Tom Brady going to the Bucks. See how Cam Newton does in New England. And then we will probably rank this list when they actually have had, when they've done stuff at their new franchises. So, yeah, that's what we've got for you today on this hour-long show, the hour-long Logan Blackman show for this July 13th edition of Logan Blackman. So, a reminder to go follow the Logan Blackman show accounts Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Go search my personal stuff as well and go follow that there. Look out for the Logan Blackman Show merchandise coming soon. And look out for posters you see around town as well. And also look out for the Washington Redskins' new name. Uh, they didn't announce anything because they have trademark issues. They're play- they, haven't- they have some trademark issues, so they haven't announced the new name yet. But that should be coming, hopefully, in the near future. But they have officially retired the Redskins' name. So we'll see what they do here in the new future, or the near future, I should say. And with that being said, that's all I've got for you today on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I will see you guys tomorrow, Tuesday. I'll see you guys later. Peace.